Hi guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Poly Podcast. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world. How are you doing? How are you living? I hope you're all doing well. I hope you've all survived the Christmas and New Year madness. We are back, baby. We are here, we are back, we are present. We are here to talk to you about the excellent Shields. I sat down with Joe of Shields for a little conversation. This was recorded in the middle of December 2023, um, and this was a fantastic conversation. It's really, really nice to interview a band or an artist when they're not per se on an album cycle or an album run. We just have a really great conversation. It's two people who really enjoy heavy music. We talk about the music industry. We talk about the return of Shields in 2023. We talk about what's ahead for 2024 for Shields. We talk everything kind of at Star Wars, about his love for food. He gives me one of the best dream riders I've had in a long, long time. It's a really, really fun conversation. I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear it. But before we do, I want to do a quick shout out and a quick plug to another podcast called Dear Download Podcast, because I recently went on their show. This was uh, recorded uh, mid-December, and this is obviously going out in January. So if you've already heard it, fantastic. But if anyone who hasn't heard it yet, I guested on their show along with a load of other creators on episode number 60 called Even More Interviews. There's the likes of myself, there's the likes of Dilcam, um, Rob Kellis. There's loads and loads of fantastic uh, people on there. There's Ready to Mosh on there as well. Really, really great. Go and check it out. Uh, big up to Adam and big up to Simon of Dear Download Podcast for having us. And um, yeah, without any further ado from me, I'm going to shut the fuck up and let you guys listen to my conversation with the excellent Joe from Shields. Let's get to it. Hi guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Poly Podcast. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world. And this time around, it is also this is the first episode that I'm recording where, as I understand it, the guest hasn't got anything to plug, so, so to say, in 2024. But we are recording this in 2023, so hence the Christmas decorations. I always have to put that bit in just in case some people watch this and goes, why has he got Christmas decorations in fucking 2024? What a nutcase. But... I'm chatting to the excellent Joe of Shields. How are we doing, sir? How's things? Very well, very well. Um, yep, still recovering from Steep Open a couple of days ago. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, I do want to touch on that just quickly because, yeah, I've not been, and I'll be completely honest, not been the biggest Sleep Token f- fan, right? I don't mm. quite get it, but maybe that's just me. And it's personal taste, and that's completely fine. But try and sell me Sleep Token in 30 seconds to a minute if you can, because... Like the musicality of the band is fantastic. Like, and his vocals is fantastic. And like, I've seen loads of um, Instagram stories and things like that from the gig at Wembley. And it looks, it's just, I don't know, man, it just doesn't gel with me. Like, so I recently tried to, uh, I will get to Shields in a minute, I promise. I tried to get into Spirit Box, right? And I put on Eternal Blue the other day on a, on a, on a drive to work. And like, it was good. But maybe I'm just getting old and I'm not down with the kids as much. And I don't I don't kind of buy into the hype so much. It was it was really good. It was really like, but it doesn't set my world on fire. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know if it's just me, whether I'm the odd one out on this one. <laughs> and and this actually also, my answer does funny enough relate to Shields. Um, mm. as you may not know, like Shields um went on hiatus. It wasn't actually a hiatus, it was a breakup. Um, I, in that time, just was not interested in metal or heavy music or anything like that. And <clears throat> I guess Sleep Token started and I didn't get them. Yeah. I actually didn't much. I just wasn't a fan of Vessel's voice or anything like that. But 
over time, it kind of grew on me because something I was doing, something I have done for a while. I was composing. Um, I was composing for like circus and theatre productions, and I did a bit of like film and TV as well. But the arrangements that they put together are fucking phenomenal, and that's what his was like. The space in between the note choices and like the melody choices that he made for his vocals, and then it was that mechanism that then helped me. I get you guess get used to his vocals mm-hmm. um, through the compositional and, and arrangement aspects of their music. Because really, they are like super complex and really well put together and simple and not overstated, but or, but but dense at the same time. Um, but then after I guess listening to them, to them enough, the vocals just kind of made sense to me, and yeah, that's where it kind of came from. But then it was the same kind of thing with bands of like Spirit Box after mm-hmm. getting back to metal again. Um, after listening to like heavier music again, and then kind of moving back into, I really like this genre. This genre is a really big part of me. Um, maybe the time away from metal helped me understand bands like Spirit Box, who I think are just amazing as well. Um, yeah. Where maybe if I was just listening to it for the last five years, still, I wouldn't feel the same about it. Absolutely. Um, but I really like Spirit Box. I just think I think they're really cool. Yeah. Um, again, really cool choices in their melodies, in the vocal melodies, and like guitar arrangements and stuff like that. I think I think the thing for me, it's not so much that I've fallen out of love with metal or anything like that. It's more the fact. So when I was when I first got into like music and stuff, kind of age 13, 14, I was so embedded in like rock and then kind of into heavy music and, and metal and things like that. That now that I'm kind of so I'm, I turned 31 in March 24. Right. So it's kind of now like, OK, so. Uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, they're all pretty scummy, right, in terms of what they pay artists. But what they do give you is access to everything, right? And variety is the spice of life. So I feel like I've kind of, through my kind of narrow-mindedness, I guess, of trying to go, right, I want to get as far into, like, metal and rock and, like, get every single, like, tiny underground band or whatever else, I've kind of neglected a lot of, like, really cool stuff that's outside of that. And it's kind of like, now I've taken a step back, it's like, cool like pop music can be fucking sick like hip-hop is fucking sick do you know what i mean all these different things i'm like i kind of knew existed but i kind of was i was so focused on that one thing i'm like now my kind of my palette is a lot more kind of broad which makes me kind of um makes me kind of uh appreciate i guess when i don't quite understand something but i can appreciate it on like a that's really like impressive do you know what i mean yeah i understand that I think I think um, sharpening your tools and like widening your influence just allows you to appreciate music in a much better and more informed way. Absolutely. Uh, the key the key word in all of that is inform. If you inform yourself with anything enough, then you allow yourself to experience it on a much more um, well a much better level. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Rounded off. Absolutely. So I, I guess we, we, we should probably talk about your, your brilliant band you're in uh, called Shields, which are genuinely fucking amazing, right? And this is the thing. I was one of the people when you guys announced your uh, hiatus and, and kind of seemingly uh, departure from the band and everything was sort of in, up in the air. I was genuinely guided. So imagine my uh, kind of elation when you guys were teasing on, on social media, like you're potentially coming back and things like that. And like, yeah, I, I wanted to kind of touch on the fact that in 2023, you released a brand new song uh, called Bury Me, which is fucking fantastic. How was the reaction to that? How's life uh, generally for you now? How is things in the band? How, how's it all going in, in that respect? 
it's great honestly like the reaction we had is incredibly gratifying um just the reaction we had from the return uh, the announcement mm. was just like incredibly gratifying because we didn't know what kind of fan base we were coming back to and to see that that fan base had remained and even slightly growed um in some areas was just phenomenal it was really unexpected we were just kind of doing it because we really enjoyed playing and writing with each other again um in fact the reason we got back is because burn it down contacted all of us whilst we were all there in separate bands our sure. holoa Kubrick. um we posted a picture of us all online and uh, uh burn it down just said do you want to come back and do a one-off um we agreed to do it and we started writing thinking that it would be good to come back with something new mm. not you know for everyone but for us as well because we've done those other songs so many times before um, it seemed like quite an exciting prospect. Obviously, Sam being such a keen writer and us collaborating for so many years before that. Um, and then once we started writing, we <laughs> just didn't really stop. So I guess we kind of had that sit down and just went, I guess we're back. Shall yeah. we do more? And so uh, we're now just really in it again. We're really excited. Uh, we've got, we're back with our old label, Long Branch. Amazing them our old uh, the, the PR company that we worked with hold tight PR yeah who both of both companies we just absolutely loved working with so it's really nice to be back with both of those and um we're currently planning lots for 24 and we're working our plans into 25 and kind of seeing how far we can bring that into 26 as well so it's it's currently we haven't released anything since bury me we are writing a lot we're going to be doing a huge dense patch of writing and recording throughout the um, early years of 24 and um it's it's just all planning at the moment it's just all making sure like this might not happen but we'd like it to happen at this time uh, obviously the music industry is incredibly um it's it's pretty easy for things to just fall through at any at the drop of a hat so you, you try and have to account for that a little bit but um we're currently now self-managed and it turns out I really enjoy that part of music, yeah. <laughs> the organizational aspect. It's something I hadn't really done that much before Shields, but after Shields uh, broke up and I moved to Newcastle where I started working with circus and theater companies, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot more kind of management and organizational things that you know you had to learn in the job because we were working with Arts Council funded applications and projects. So budgets was a big one of those, which yeah. I was able to take that knowledge of a good budget and bring it into shields now so we've been able to, been able to um, walk away with not much money but just like a day rate's worth of money at the end of yeah. this year but that's better than we had done before ever so just little things like that little small achievements that aren't career making but they're career building absolutely and the, there's loads i want to take away from that uh, just from the get-go um firstly hold tight one of the best fucking pr people in the in the game in my opinion i, I love all the pr people we work with but i've got a special affinity with hold tight because um they've looked after me at many different festivals and just the just the nicest bunch of human beings so yeah shout out to those guys um and that's the thing as well it, it's kind of it's really cool like because that's the thing right bands i think a lot of i think if you're especially if you're a younger person right the perception of a band 
is they rock up in the van, play the show, rock, load out, go home, right? That's the kind of perception. But there's so much more to that in, in terms of being a band. Like you say, from the management perspective, because you have to be your own social media manager. You have to be your own kind of finance manager. You have to be your own promotion. You have to be all these different things, all these different roles. And I guess that can sometimes detract from the fact of why you got into being in a band, right? I've never been in a band, but like, I guess you've kind of gone, right, I want to stand on the stage, scream some cool lyrics and like play some cool guitar riffs and kind of enjoy the time with my friends. But also there's there's a lot of aspects of, and there's a lot of bullshit you have to put up with kind of in the, in the music industry and things like that. So it makes kind of, it's nice to see that people kind of approach you and like, do you want to do this? And you kind of look around at your bandmates and go, yeah, that sounds like fun. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I guess there's that kind of, that hunger and that want from the, from the passionate music fans for you guys to come back because... I guess, um, again, tell me if I'm speaking out of turn, but I feel like there'd be nothing worse than you guys returning and no one give a shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think, to honest, honestly, I think if no one gave a shit, then we would have still been booked for, you know, we got booked for the bullet down slot. For sure. No one gave a shit just from the fact that we're done. Or less people, I say no one. If, if less people gave a shit yeah, of or course. that was very positive or anything like that, um, I think we would have still done the gig and then we were just gone, that was really nice. Yeah. We can bed now because we ended on such a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. You know, we just released Life in Exile and um, we just decided it wasn't right, really right for any of us to carry on anymore at that point. But uh, just going back to Hold Tight, they are genuinely some of my favourite people in the industry. Um, at, at Sleep Token, they were the people I spoke to the most because we yeah. we've been rolling constantly this year, but it was just so nice to see them and catch up again because I'd known... Uh, I mean, we've known Matt since we started working with Hold Tight, which was back. I just feel hate. I think I just feel mm -hmm. hate was Hold Tight, actually. Yeah, it was, because James Monty was doing that campaign. Um, and then I'd known Hannah through a friend that I studied at Westminster Uni with. That I'd, I was there for like a year before I went back to study at music school. Um, so, yeah, it's just nice to kind of go back and see people I've, I've known for a while and that actually on that point is probably one of my favorite things about returning to this community of musicians and music industry professionals is because I am currently bumping into people that I've not seen in years and it's yeah. just been the best part of my year yeah. I think it's just as enjoyable as going back on stage again and that's the thing as well I, again not not to touch too much on the pandemic and things but the pandemic you kind of everyone's lost like two and a half years of their life and i and i say lost what i mean is it's kind of like you've seen i i saw it so i work in a pub right in my day job and things and i bumped into a, a school friend who i've literally known my entire existence on this planet right and i went oh my god it's been like and he was like yeah like five years and i'm like fucking hell like do you know what i mean because like we've lost all that time and it's like shit fuck like and it kind of it makes you kind of appreciate the little things and like cool we should like hang out we should go for a bit like as soon as i'm done here we're gonna go have a beer do you know what i mean so like it, it is cool from that perspective it's mad the pandemic was a complete um plus the fuck that's for sure mm -hmm. absolutely um, but i was like i was like in a different city anyway so for me oh yes. it was weird actually because i wasn't even with my family i was with this cunt of a human being who I was engaged to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was living with her in Newcastle and um, just away from my family. And um, not to go into too much detail, but there was some like huge changes happening in my family. So I was like watching it from afar and hearing Chinese whispers yeah. about. It. So um, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that was a strange time. And then ended... Oh, fucking hell, it just kept getting worse. Everything just kept getting worse for a little while. And then she just came back and got better. Absolutely, absolutely. And not, not again, I don't, I don't touch too much on politics on this podcast, but to see the absolute scum of the Tory party absolutely squirming at the moment is the most joyous thing where they're just going, oh, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Fuck them. Twats. Anyway. They're holding on to the fucking the last drawers of that Hegel, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about something more positive, right? So I want to take things right back to when you, sir, were a spring chicken, getting into music and things like that. What was your kind of early kind of uh, experience with music? Is it music in the family, friends? How did you kind of fall into the trap or the, the trap door that is heavy music? Uh, well, I'll just go from the beginning. If sure, you like, absolutely. Well, are artists and mm-hmm. musically inclined. And my mum's always sung and she's played guitar. So she'd play guitar to me and my sister <clears throat> and my brothers. Um, and there was always music in the house. So it was a lot of choral music. She's like into choral. Like she, she, she sings in the choir. Yeah. Um, and there was also a lot of bluegrass and a bit of rock. But oh, I think bluegrass, funny enough, stands out the most uh, because um, my father at one point even went to America, I think Virginia, and made this documentary about this bluegrass festival. Oh, amazing, nice. By this bluegrass legend banjo player called uh, Ralph Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was brought up around a lot of folk and things like that. And there were some folk musicians who we knew who were like quite renowned folk musicians in the 60s kind of folk revival. Um, I guess through probably the rock elements. I'd be honest, actually, you know, I was always just drawn, drawn to the intensity and slightly heavier side of things. I remember you'd watch TV programs as a kid and they'd be like, the rocker kid, you know, in black yeah, and white. Absolutely. And That's really cool. I want to uh, understand more about that. And when I was about moving on, when I was about like eight or nine years old, School of Rock changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I'm sure you've heard a few times from not just people on this podcast, but every single fucking person around our age. Yeah. But that was kind of it for me. That was like the jaw-dropping moment where I was just like, that is the thing I want to be doing because I liked, I think I liked the intensity of it and like the energy and the unpredictability of like anything that could happen on stage. So like eight years old, me got a school band together and um, started performing in assembly. Um, started like selling little homemade tickets to my family to see me air guitar in, in nice. the kitchen. Amazing. Um, you know, I'd always just be bashing on like pots and pans as a child with like wooden sticks and things like that too. So it was just always something I was really excited about. Um, started playing violin, uh, and then moved on to a bit of piano as I think as well and stuff like that. And a bit of drums and guitar became the main focus. Um, <clears throat> at ten or eleven, me and Sam met Sam being the guitarist and co-star from Shields, um, and we didn't like each other at first i don't think <laughs> that's always a good start for a solid friendship <laughs> and he's this fucking kid why won't you just leave me alone he's really annoying and then we went to um went to rock club together at school amazing you like rock it's like yeah you like rock too oh cool okay listen to this and let's start playing music together and so we just from that moment on i've always made music together apart from that period that she was weren't together yeah, uh, we've always kind of created and played together. So the um, evolution of Shields just kind of came from that, really, just being in local kind of like school rock bands and whatnot and playing in 
morning assembly and shit. And then just the the band eventually evolved into Shields. But the first time I heard metal, first time I ever heard metal that like, because I was listening to like the White Stripes and Frank mm-hmm. Ferdinand, yeah. stuff like that, and you know the enemy compilations you'd get every and, year. I don't get bought one for Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know what? Like, kind of uh, to to take it a little bit back. So, like, age fourteen year old me, like listening to the White Stripes, I was like, oh no, could think of the worst. Oh, Franz Ferdinand. But you know what? Thirty year old me, fucking bangers. Like Franz Ferdinand got some bangers for days. Honestly, man, fucking amazing album. That first Franz Ferdinand was fucking wicked. Absolutely. Jack was seventeen. Working on the day same <laughs> if if you don't do a Franz Ferdinand cover at the next Shields show, I'm gonna be very disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, Franz. Um, no, no, White Stripes. I mean, Jack White is still one of my favorite musicians of all time. For sure, man. On this like holiday in France and saw a rock magazine. But yep, I'll get that. Um, came with a CD, so put that on. And I'm pretty sure the first track that came on was Stone Sour's Reborn. Amazing song. It's one of their heaviest tracks, but it's a fucking slammer with Corey Taylor Taylor at like full vocal. And um, I heard it and I went, it sounds like he's being sick. I quite like that. Now <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just like this metal thing's cool. There was Walls of Jericho, Trigger Full of Promises on there, which is just such a fucking, oh, still one of my favorite like hardcore metalcore tracks from around that era. Yeah. Which, to end this off, is why I think it's so cool that Dying Wish are doing that stuff now. Yes. Just, like, Amazing. The new walls of Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing as well. I think like back then kind of, and I think even more so now as well, the kind of the walls of kind of genre don't matter. But back then when you were like, especially I, I try and look at music now and art now kind of through the eyes of as if I was kind of 14 again, because when you're older, you kind of have a lot more kind of like, oh, that's not so cool, that's not so in, like, kind of, you have all these preconceptions of things, whereas when you're a child uh, and when younger, you're kind of like, you just accept it for what it is, and you either like it or you don't, right? So kind of, I remember getting, uh, and CDs on magazines was such an integral part of that, I remember listening to, like, a a mixtape, a Metal Hammer CD, that, like, um, Killswitch Engage, Slipknot, and then Behemoth, and I'm like, they're three very different bands, (laughs) do you know what I mean? And it's like, Oh shit, this one's distinctly more heavy than the last two. What's that about? Oh, that's cool. And then suddenly I'm listening to black metal. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's crazy. <laughs> I remember that when we were like featured, I think, I don't know what the first track we had in the Metal Hammer compilation CD was, but it was amongst some like the massive variety of tracks. And then they put But This Feels Worse, which is arguably our like softest. Mm. Just like, it's, it's like two, two, three minutes of just like light, kind of like weaving guitars and stuff like that before like it just really kicks in with the heavy section yeah it goes from that to death you know mm-hmm. complete annihilation of yeah <laughs> so I-, I wanted to ask as well is kind of because when you have that kind of um when you're younger you don't have that preconceived notion and again to- this is how i kind of discovered a lot of music as well is going into hmv and i, n- I would never do this now because money is a lot tighter but buying blind like yeah. so I would look at the album art, I'd I'd seen like the name. So I had the two examples of this, right? So I picked up Suicide Silence because Suicide Silence, that's a fucking great name. No time to bleed. Had no idea what it was. The album art was sick, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna pick that up. And I remember picking up Shogun by Trivium, right? Two very mm-hmm. different records, but again, I'd seen Trivium on the, the cover of Metal Hammer or Krang or whatever. And I was like, this seems like cool. I remember putting them on and my parents, my, my dad, bless him, uh, is into kind of like, he's a massive Rush fan, Deep Purple, all that kind of uh, 70s, 80s stuff. 
And I remember putting on, and he was like, turn that fucking shit off. And I'm so <laughs> glad, like, obviously moved out of my family home and stuff, but I can just play all that stuff anyway, you know. And to be honest, kind of that kind of uh, more aggressive kind of deathcore stuff, I don't listen to. But my other half, my wife to be, favorite band is Lauren Shaw, so I can't get away from anyway if I wanted to. <laughs> So it's a it's a mad one. Do you remember kind of any CDs that you kind of bought uh, blind, so to speak, or did you ever do that where you picked up based on an album? I think album is so important, but like yeah. nowadays it can kind of get lost, and it was always part of the aesthetic of a band, if you see what I mean. Um, also, no time to bleed by Suicide Silence. Nice, nice, yeah. Oh, when you said that, because that was what was in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snap. Nice. Um, I picked up a record by Rolo Tomasi, and I didn't like it. Yeah, um, sure. I like I picked it up because the artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved going to HMV every week and spending my pocket money on CDs because I had to travel in from Finchley to Oxford mm-hmm. Street. It's like an hour's journey one way. Yeah, so you'd, sure. Oxford, you'd spend some good time in HMV, kind of going through the CDs and stuff, and then wearing it out, but having like four or five in your hand, and then slowly eliminating them until you got to down to the last one. I do I do that so much now, but with vinyl as an adult and my other half is like we're we're yeah. getting married in July of twenty-four and she's like, We've got a mar- we've got a wedding to pay for, you need to put some of these back. And I'm like, but I really want them. <laughs> it's such a pain. <laughs> um yeah, vinyl's so good, man. Like if if uh if I pick up a really good vinyl, or if I pick up any vinyl, I'll never listen to it again on Spotify. Yeah, for sure. You heard the better version of it as well. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. um, uh, I once uh once I had a little bit of money, I was able to invest in a really good turntable, and then um one birthday, my brother bought me like some nice speakers, and I got a good amp for it as well. So, I mean, like for instance, I got given uh, a vinyl by the War on Drugs recently, Amazing. yeah, for, for their newest record, and um I've heard that record thousands of times. I, I love that band to bits. But putting it on the vinyl player was once again just like a brand new experience, which is, you know, I love how I'm still surprised by that. But mm-hmm. it, 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 is, it just completely opens up the sonic um, image and you just like experience it. And you you really hear like the preamp saturation on the vocals in a way that you can't do on Spotify. Even if I've got really good headphones in, I've put in the Spotify and HD and everything like that. It just without this you know just a real sound not sample it just sounds phenomenal feels amazing to experience so big vinyl fan again with the artwork you know mm-hmm. pulling out the sleeve and seeing the photos and stuff like that um we never printed uh life in exile to vinyl but it will at some point i can't say when um be out in 24 which is really exciting for me amazing so, like have your first album yeah on- and um, it's got a few. It's going to have a few little bonus things on it. A few bonus features for anyone who had seen or heard um, Life in Exile before. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm actually really excited about, which is, I guess, a little plug that I maybe should or shouldn't have done. But you know, it's it's coming out. Hey, one it's, it's fine for the for the three people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's the thing. It. Uh... <laughs> i'm grateful for everyone <laughs> but no it, it's um it's super cool man um i wanted to i wanted to touch on um the fact because again i grew up so i'm i'm kind of i live in and around norwich right so going to a lot of kind of um hardcore shows as a as a young man so 14 15 i remember seeing the bands like yourselves uh lock and key desolated trc and all those kind of bands like really fucking caning it 
every single week in, week out. We're playing here, we're playing here. And the trouble was, a lot of the time, they were just toilets. They were like toilet venues, right? And it's completely cool, right? Because that's that kind of has that aesthetic. But I kind of wanted to ask, what do you kind of remember from the kind of early days at that, around that time as being in the band? Because, yeah. Like, that must have been fucking hard because I, I saw some crazy fucking shows at toilet venues. Do, do, you, do you prefer them or do you kind of prefer the kind of more, um, not so much polished, but kind of the, the you know, we've, we've got a proper sound get up. We've got like a proper like stage as opposed to just being on the floor and things like that. I prefer having facilities of a professional venue. Yeah, for sure. The of the crowd being in your face. Like whenever there's a barrier, I do kind of die a little bit inside because mm-hmm. I'm just, I just... I love being with the crowd and in the crowd and like amongst people who are just excited to be there as well. And when there's a barrier, you just feel like you feel quite separated from it. You know, I think remember before we ever had barriers, I was thinking like, oh, how cool would it be to have a barrier? Because then it would mean that we've kind of like up the level. Mm-hmm. But um, I do, I do feel a little bit of a divide, only slightly, not too much. You know, like I'd be lying if I said there weren't some incredible and very memorable shows that I've had with barriers. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually, I actually had this kind of thought that you're asking me about the other day because I went to Bristol last weekend to play a one-off power violence gig with a friend's band. Gig, and obviously that's just like in this tiny pub called the Chelsea Inn in Bristol. That's like a, a small little punk venue. PA is just on the floor. The floor is just it's a pub. It's literally just yeah. a pub. You're yeah, the place and you're just there in front of the people. And you know, I was, I was. Before the show, I was thinking it is nice that, you know, we get toilets that are a bit nicer now that I actually want to sit down on. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess, I, you know, there's facilities that make it much more comfortable experience, but to then be on stage again, just like you're literally at the same level of the crowd and you can kind of get in them and have fun with them. Um, I like that. And I feel like I try and kind of, you know, tr- try and achieve that level of feeling when I'm on stage regardless. Um, again, like I said at the start of the podcast, I love the unpredictability of being on stage and the intensity of it. So for me, it's just like expressing yourself as freely as possible in that moment. And I feel that at least will connect you to the people in front of you. Absolutely. So it kind of leads me quite nicely into my next question is what is the strangest or the weirdest place you've ever played a show? And when I say that, I don't mean it in a negative context because I think some people immediately jump to we played to two people and a dog, right? I'm, I'm, what I mean is, is when you've pulled up at the venue and you've walked in and you've kind of all looked around at each other and gone, well, who the fuck booked this then? Like, because we've, we've had some crazy kind of stories of people being booked for like um, sex parties and fucking all this kind of like they've played to like literally like a, a group of like fucking children and things like that. How, have you got any kind of places where you've gone, who 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 authorized this one then? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure what to say. I mean, I, I'm sure there's weirder ones. You know, when you get especially like I need, I must find the strangest, the most memorable. But like, there's one, there's one that stands out that wasn't necessarily bizarre. It was just unusual. Where we turned up at this venue in Switzerland, we'd been booked. We, um, our agent at the time had booked us this gig as a segue into another tour that we were like kind of finishing one thing and starting something else in Europe. So we played this tiny little venue in the mountains in Switzerland. Uh, no one came except for this one fella and his girlfriend who had traveled something like five hours to see us. Amazing. Which I think was one of the main things that makes it such a poignant memory in my mind. 
um, is is the fact that you know we we really felt like we must do this person respect because he's done us so much respect, and um, the promoter did not quite share that attitude and oh, really in the gig got really pissed and um, because he'd lost a bunch of money on booking the show that no one came to and he started just tearing apart the venue wouldn't pay us so we had to make haste and leave but you know what that that's I, i've heard this from a, from a few people uh because again I, i'm quite friendly with a lot of like um sort of like the norwich local scene and things like that but they've kind of said like you know if you're promoting a show it's your responsibility to sell the fucking show do you know what i mean yeah. you you as a band will do everything you can by posting on social media and things like that but at the end of the day like promote a kind of it's in the name like do you know what i mean and and to yeah get pissed at you know that's that's mad but it's a pretty cool experience playing in, in the mountains in switzerland though like yeah, switzerland is somewhere i'd love to go <laughs> my favorite places to play it was one of my favorite places to travel through especially in summer because you know you'd stop off at a lake and swim yeah absolutely got crikey absolutely like in the most picturesque one of the most you know beautiful countries in the world um just like stop off at a lake and just have a little dip and well, absolutely and that's that's the thing as well again maybe this is just me being uh, uh you know in my 30s and things but it's something i find really more and more frustrating right on social media right when you get people saying like you'll announce a tour right and i don't know you're playing like 12 13 cities in the uk or like around a few in the uk and a couple in europe and whatever right and people go where why aren't you playing in liverpool right and I'm not, i don't mean to call it liverpool but somewhere in the middle is normally and you're playing in manchester right and it's an hour drive an hour commute whatever on the train whatever and it's like what you just said there about someone who traveled five hours through the the heights of switzerland to come to the show and it's kind of like just go and give your head a wobble do you know what i mean does that kind of thing kind of annoy you and things like that because i know for me just looking at it i'm like oh just fuck off like <laughs> and i get it i get it from both perspectives because hotels are expensive you know fuel's expensive life is expensive but you know, if a band's coming from overseas, especially like, you know, you get like an American band flying to the UK and they can't be bothered to travel an hour. It's like bloody hell, man. You know what I mean? It used to annoy me. Um, not so much anymore because yeah. I think social media has created a culture of convenience. And for sure, kind of what our, you know, our everyday life is built on these days. You know, like you've got a coffee machine, you've got something that like you can get robots that clean the house for you now. You know, there's little discs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Either. Life is built on convenience, so I can't blame the people for having that attitude. But um, I I just respect people that go out of their way to go to the shows. I've got some friends that I've seen, specifically from Wales, who have come up recently to London. I went mm -hmm. to see Big Manus at the Black Heart. Yeah, I bumped into my friend uh, Scott from Continents, who travelled up from Wales or Bristol that night and was travelling back. <laughs> Amazing, bloody hell, nice, uh, same man. And then to get us off a couple of people that I knew from. Wales at Sleep Token, who just like drove driven up and were driving back that night as well. And that's the uh, thing as that's the thing as well. So I, I've told this story a couple of times on the podcast. So apologies to anyone who's listened and heard it before. But I always said to myself, "There's, you know, so it's the thing where bands do tour a lot, right? And it's like, oh, I'll catch them next time. Oh, I'll catch them next time. I never got to see Motorhead live because I had that mentality. And I'm not even the biggest Motorhead fan, but. That being said, I kind of wish I'd seen them because I was kind of, oh, they're always touring. They'll be back next time. They'll be back next time. And, you know, I, I don't think that um, anyone thinks that your favorite band or artist is going to die per se, but life happens. Do you know what I mean? You might not be, you might not want to be in the band anymore. Life circumstances like yourselves with Shields, you kind of, you split for a little while and it's kind of like, 
if I hadn't gone send you, I'd be pretty annoyed that I didn't go and see. But that's on me. Do you know what I mean? It, it, so I always try and make a point of saying definitely go out and see and support bands where, where you can. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, I think it's about it's, it's a good life lesson in that. It's just kind of like grabbing that opportunity in the moment. Absolutely. I've uh, since December started, I've just been at gigs nonstop and um, been really nice because some friends have come over from the states. They've been like teching on tours and shit like that or whatever. But you know, I could be like, oh, they'll be around again another time. Mm-hmm. London's so densely packed with concerts all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I've just been. I mean, maybe to my physical detriment, but. Non-stop. Hey, you, you only live once, don't you? That's that's the best thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's been great, man. Again, like a big part of that for me is just seeing friends I've not seen in a long time. It's a uh, really, you know, really, really makes you happy. Surrounding Absolutely. You love. Absolutely, and we're talking talking about um, obviously going going to gigs and festivals and things like that and playing live. Something that I have asked every single artist in 2023, and I was going to sack off in 2024 but spoiler peek behind the curtain i've done about six already for january and you're going to be the first one in january so i've now got to continue the trend right so when spotify apple music like uh, or title or any insert big brand that hosts podcasts buy this podcast right i am gonna have loads of lovely corporate sponsor money now rather than reinvest it back in the podcast like a normal human being i'm gonna fucking blow it all on a big festival right Shields are invited to play along with every single artist who's been on the fest on the on the on the podcast uh, in the last four years. At this point, it's going to be about a week long, so it's going to be a lovely old time. But the thing is, we're going to have it in the biggest possible field we can get our hands on. So, what I'd right. like to know, Joe from Shields, is what you would like to add to the dream rider of the festival. Now, this, right. talking. This- to the Rider King, my friend. Hello. <laughs> okay, so to give you a little bit of uh, context, right? So I had um, the excellent uh, Jay, formerly also formerly known as AKA uh, Beans on Toast, who said to me, I just want to play. I just want to rock up and play, which, you know, I'm going to say it, it's kind of a wasted opportunity, my friend. You kind of you kind of scuppered that one. You could have whatever you want. You just want to turn up and play. He was already on the bill, right? All <laughs> the way up to, we've had people say we want masseuses, like saunas, like roller coaster rides. We had people go like really weirdly specific. I had a um, a Norwegian band on who said to me, "I want a specific Norwegian brand of energy drink to sponsor oh, the festival." So, like, yeah, what what would you like to add? I want okay, I want snacks, okay, I want, and uh, I want snacks and sides sponsored by Grenade and uh, and Waitrose. Are they are they the um the uh protein kind of bars grenade? Yeah, I know the ones. Yeah, yeah. But also they got like energy drinks and pre workouts. So oh, amazing, nice. That that means I've got like nice energy drinks. I also had like monster energy drinks. Mm-hmm. I drink a lot of sugar free monsters because they're fucking wicked. Uh, a, a full range, um, a full fifty eight fridges of as many tasty little sparkly drinks and shit like that, Coca Cola, whatever. But I want, I want. A big part of it to be sponsored by Grenade mm-hmm. and Waitrose because Waitrose got some damn good snacks. Yeah, they and have definitely. They're expensive, but I'm not buying them. Beth was buying them. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'd like, I'd like a, I'd like a like for my main meal. Mm-hmm. I think, is this every day? Do I have the difference? You, like, it, it's, it's your dream festival and what you can have on your rider. You can have whatever you want. Okay, I want, I want, um, I want one of those. I want something from. I want an episode of Black Mirror to make me like a headpiece that can read my mind, so that I have to think about 
thing that I really would be like like the most that day. But on one of the days, I'd like to have my what would be my my you know my prison sentence, my death sentence last mm-hmm. meal. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. A cousin once. I'm salivating thinking about this fucking hell. <laughs> Dude, I'm a bit of a foodie, I must say. So for me, like food is a pretty like enjoyable topic. But yeah, for sure, man. Uh, my cousin has a slow cooker in a and he wants like not slow cooker he has a, a smoker mm-hmm. smoker and he once made wagyu short ribs that he cooked oh. over 10 hours he smoked over 10 hours for and i think that was the tastiest piece of meat i've ever ever made so i'd like that with like with my uncle so his father my uncle's mm-hmm. uh roast potatoes Amazing. Wagyu short with roast potatoes with uh because he makes the best roasties ever we get a good fat northern like Geordie mm-hmm. York pudding. You know, real proper gravy that's come from, you know, marrow and shit like that. And uh I'd maybe a nice salad on the side or something like that. But <laughs> that'd be one of the meals. And then for the other days I'd just put on this head thing and go like I guess that's what's happening for lunch then today. Yeah. Um what else would we get on the rider? Because it doesn't have to just be food, does it? It could be no, like it can be whatever your heart desires. All right, so I want I want a massage. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a massage from a masseuse who's got the muscles in their hands from Corey Taylor's neck. Because that you know those things are going to be experienced and strong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. And you know what? I I wrote, I wrote that question in 2023. I think not not specifically with you in mind, but a character like yourself to really buy into the because sometimes they're like. I uh, just, you know, I just want food and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. But you're not like you've totally understood the assignment and gone. Yeah, I'm all in on this. <laughs> I mean, look, everyone wants food. But if I was living in a completely, you know, you know, th- this can be. This is the best right. I'm a uh, rider king has spoken. Absolutely, the rider king has spoken. Absolutely. I want in the backstage where you know, like our little our little area is. Mm-hmm. If we're playing and we just, if it, the rider can do whatever we want, I want to, on the rider to be like a little village built for us. Amazing. But like the backstage, and you know, you can camp or you can stay in like our little like booths or whatever it is. Or maybe there's glamping. I do like a bit of glamping. Nice. So like my, my question, my question is, are you doing it like GNR style, where you've literally got your own private shield compound, or is this communal for every other band as well? Is it just purely the shield camp? No, no, we can all like hang out as. All okay, the bands. cool. That's all right then. I was going to say we we don't have no dictatorship at this this festival. <laughs> yeah, of course, by your friends and meeting new people through those friends is the best thing. Oh, it's one of the best things about music and festivals. Why just isolate yourself from that? Obviously, we're not Guns and Roses, so like we're not. Hey, not not yet at least anyway <laughs> so like you know people can come and go but like you know you've got your own little room that you can disappear into and in that room i want all my vinyls mm-hmm. i want a really nice, i want a better system that i've got at home with surround amazing surround, and i want i want there to be a projector that i can pull down so i don't have to have a tv in the room but just like a pull down screen i can just switch on the projector that's in the wall and it's going to be like i can plug that in that's already plugged into the, the speaker system mm-hmm. the passive amp, amp speaker, speaker system so it's going to sound really good yeah and i can watch like a three meter like you know if i want to go and watch star wars for an afternoon then i can oh, amazing you know what Spe- speaking of uh, not to go on a tangent about star wars but so me and my me and my other half we uh we like to kind of like start a series or something and currently at the minute we there's nothing really on netflix has taken our fans disney's kind of whatever but 
I have started watching Star Wars and I started with The Phantom Menace because it is the worst one, arguably, but it's the start point. Well, he's giving me a funny look. Do you disagree? <laughs> I mean, Attack of the Quirk Clones is probably a little bit underneath me because look, look, I mean, obviously I get a few what you're saying, but the music and Darth Maul as a character oh, is yeah, just for sure. Yeah, that that makes it better than Attack of the Clones. However, I would say how cool it is to see the Jedi in full swing. Yes. Attack I think the worst bits. I saw a meme the other day, which was like, just think about this. The worst bits of Attack of the Clone is just Anakin being a wet wipe with Padme. <laughs> but the rest of it is like, hey, I, I saw Kamino is pretty cool. I mean, Kamino is the best map on Star Wars Battlefront 2. It is. You know? It is. It is. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, man. I've got that on my page. I'm going to play that. I've got, um, I'm interviewing um Jesse from Dream State after yourself. And um, after we've done that, that is literally what I'm going to do. That sounds like a fucking wicked afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> great absolutely um so i kind of i kind of wanted to to, to wrap things up and round things off because i have like i say i've got uh, the lovely jesse after your good self um what is ahead for 2024 for shields um you spoke about uh, the potential uh, vinyl release when that comes when that comes around for the for the for the previous record what is ahead uh, more touring i guess and what was ahead for you guys uh we will be touring at the end of the year in the last quarter Amazing. Um, can't say where yet. Stuff's still getting booked in and all that, but we will be back on the road, which is incredibly exciting. Um, up until midway through the year, we're going to be focusing on writing and developing new material, and um, and then after that, some music will start getting released again, which is really exciting. But we will, I can say for sure, we will have. I just feel hate on Spotify at some point. Hey, lovely. In the earlier parts of the year, and uh. We'll, we'll arrange a little treat for that as well, like a little kind of exciting bonus for that, um, as well as the vinyl release, which is really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to getting that out and holding the fucking record. And Absolutely. I, I guess I guess that's the thing where you've kind of, to not not so much naysayers, but people, you go, oh, I'm in a band. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in a band. But see, I've got a vinyl. I've got a physical like thing I can show you, and you can put on. Like I've got, I've made it. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think that must be, a, must be a cool thing, you know. <laughs> Can't wait to see it. Absolutely. I've got one final question for you, Joe. A question I've asked every single artist uh, since 2020 when we started this podcast. That is, what is the best thing about being in the band for you personally? developing and solidifying connections with friends new and old really like really the best thing for me is has been about the friendship groups and the community that that surrounds all of this and that that goes from seeing friends i've not seen in a long time or or just like kind of working on music with sam you know he, he's my best friend in the whole fucking world so to be able to do this thing that we've created together again and um do something that we're strongly passionate about which is writing music um together as a team is just you know i i really feel like emotionally nourished just from the fact that i get to do this with someone who i care so deeply about it's amazing it really is amazing stuff that is the perfect way to end the podcast thank you so much joe for taking the time thank you for reaching out on, on socials and getting this sorted for us because yeah I've, I've wanted to do it and uh yeah it's a, it's a real pleasure um i hope you have a lovely christmas because we're recording this before christmas and, and a good new year and things and um yeah which will hopefully see you very soon in 2024 it's been a pleasure thank you so much lovely mate see you soon Peace.